Well, well, well. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Guess what? I am back. Back in black is what they call me. No, they really don't. But anyway, it's another episode of The Stoop here on Blog Talk Radio. It's Monday night, and yes, I am back. I am your host, Jonathan Raggis, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, is the superstar, Jeff the Shark Perini. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Good to have you back. It's good to be acknowledged as a superstar and ever welcoming uh, everybody back here to the Stoop. Uh, your regular Monday night doses of uh, fun, excitement, stupidity, and uh, all that other good stuff from Soup to Nuts. From soup to nuts. That's what we do here at the Stoop, man. Soup to nuts. Um, it's it's going to be a good comeback show for me here tonight, everybody. Um, we're going to be joined by actress Janet Varney from IFC Stand Against Evil, as well as FFX's, uh, excuse me, FX, FXX's You Are the Worst. I always mess that up. Try to say that three times fast, and I always screw it up. But she'll be joining us uh, just a little bit around... <laughs> The 8.30 hour here. Um, really looking forward to that. Uh, first, we want to thank Steve Howie for joining us. And uh, Jeff, your first time hosting a show by yourself, man. What did you think? Uh, a little difficult. A little difficult not having somebody to uh, fall back on and banter with. But uh enjoyed it. Steve Howie is fantastic. He's a guy that I really like. I've always loved his work. He's funny. He's uh, honest and direct. And uh, we loved it. We loved having him on. We thank him for being here and uh, I want to thank Ashley Morgan for uh, coming by, another friend of the show. And uh, great show, man. Enjoyed it. Better having you here, though, but uh, fun show. Yeah, you know you know, you know, you loved having Ashley here. Come on, don't lie. Oh, of course. She's a little cuter than you. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's way cuter than me. There's no question <laughs> about that. Plus, she's pretty much cooler than me. There, there, There's another no question about that. So um, I want to thank Ashley for uh, – helping you out and co-hosting that night and uh, bailing me out. That was uh, super, super nice of her uh, up-and-coming actress, Ashley Morgan. Um, Good friend of the show here, so thank you, Ashley, for uh, pretty much doing what we do here, and that's having fun and uh, talking a little bit about everything. Like you said, man, soup to nuts, soup to nuts. All right, man. So we're going to go with our top five list. It's time to make a comeback with our top five list. And Jeff's idea tonight is in honor of me returning. Let's do their top five comebacks that we both love. It could be in sports. It could be television, movies, uh, a book character, news event, whatever. You name it, we can list it in here. So, Jeff, why don't you start us off, big man? You got it. Uh, top five comebacks in the honor of John's comeback to the stoop. Um, mostly sports, as you expect. And number five, I go with the 2012's comeback story of uh, the NFL, Adrian Peterson, coming back from his tears of his ACL and MCL uh, near the end of the 2011 season and uh, coming back to the comeback player of the year, rushing for over 2,000 yards in 2012. Just an amazing story and a great, uh, great show of strength by Peterson. Uh, number four, the 1993 AFC wildcard game. Another NFL one for you there. Playoff game. The uh, Buffalo Bills down 35-3 to to the Houston Oilers. Backup quarterback Frank Wright comes in, orchestrates the win. 41-38 in overtime. Down by 32 points. Rally back to win. Huge comeback. Uh, number that. three. Oh, yeah, that was something. Number three is one very close to home. And uh, my Philly people, my Flyers fans will know it. 2010 Eastern Conference semifinals in the NHL. Uh, Flyers down three games to none to the Boston Bruins. 
you know, not only did they win the next three games, they come back game seven, trail three nothing in that game, and rally back to win four three, take the series four games to three. One of the most amazing comebacks you'll ever see in just a moment of great pride in the Philly sports right there for me. Uh, number two, a comeback, a big one for me. ACDC comes back in 19, uh, 1980, uh, the death of Bob Scott um, in 1979, and then uh, talks of disbanding and leaving the band and, and breaking it up. And then the parents of Bob Scott you know, spoke to the band and told them to go on. They come back, they find Brian Johnson, they come back with 1980s Back in Black. Might have been maybe their biggest album, and they have been riding high. Uh, for multiple years since that's a great comeback at number two. Uh, I've got a tie at number one, which I really don't do, but tie at one because both are similar stories as far as recovery. Uh, actor Robert Downey Jr. comes back from terrible drug addictions and maybe the end of his career. He started out as a great young star. He fell apart. Comes back, man, clean sober. Comes an A-list actor again. Iron Man, of course, he's known for very well in multiple films. And uh, the... Baseball star Josh Hamilton. Similar story. Coming back from drugs, uh, cocaine abuse, multiple injuries. Had him out of baseball for a long time. Made a tremendous comeback. Made some all-star teams and just really proved uh, what he had. He's a tremendous athlete. So uh, that's my tie for number one, Robert Downey, Josh Hamilton. A couple guys battling back from drug abuse. There you go, man. Very nice. I thought you were going to say Morton Downey, but no. we'll stick with Robert Downey. <laughs> Big difference. The mouth. Morton Downey. All right. Um, I went a little bit different with mine. I have some, a couple things from sports, but mostly television. Uh, number four, Jon Snow returns from the dead on Game of Thrones, man. Listen, the reason why this makes my list is because when Jon Snow got killed at the end of that season, I can't remember what season it was. I think it was season, let's see, six. Just So it was end of season five. And Jon Snow will be, you know, uh, returns to the dead at the beginning of season six. This is when people die on Game of Thrones. They're dead. They're done. I mean, they have knocked off some of the biggest stars on Game of Thrones, and you think, okay, well, that's it. Now who the hell are we going to like? When Jon Snow died, I thought, wow, here we go again. So they just pulled the uh, George Martin and just knocked him off. And no, he returned. So that's one of my greatest comebacks at number five. Number four, the Winchesters, the TV show Supernatural. They have died numerous amounts of times, and they always come back, and they always come back in a kick-ass way. So uh, with Dean and Sam, got to go with the Winchesters at number four. Number three, as a TV show, Fuller House. Full House, the Tanners come back to TV. Um, Had to put that there. Absolutely loved what they did with Fuller House. Looking forward to season two, big time. Number two, the Red Sox versus the Yankees, 2004, ALCS. There is no greater comeback in sports history than a Red Sox coming back from 3-0 down to win the series 4-3 and later go and win their first World Series in a trillion years. Number one, this is my favorite comeback of all time, man. WCW goes out. WWE, they're the sole wrestling company. The Rock's in the ring. He's talking. The countdown comes on the Titantron, Jeff. Five, four, three, two, one. We see the cool... Opening, and then what hits? The walls of Jericho. Break the walls down. Chris Jericho returns to wrestling. Still one of my utmost favorite wrestling moments in my wrestling fan history. So I'm going to go with that as my number one. Chris Jericho returns to wrestling. 
So let's just uh, cover this back up here. Jeff's top five, uh, his number five, 2012 Adrian Peterson returns from his ACL tear. Number four, 1993 AFC wildcard game between the Bills and the Oilers. Bills with a massive comeback. Number three, the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals, the Flyers and the Bruins. Flyers making a huge comeback to knock the Bruins off and later not win the Stanley Cup again. Had to throw that in there for you. Uh, number two, ACDC comeback. 1980, Brian Johnson, after the death of Bon Scott, they come back with Back in Black, one of the best rock albums of all time. And tied for number one, the recoveries and the comebacks from drugs and addiction of Robert Downey Jr. and baseball outfielder Josh Hamilton. Really cool stuff there. For me, number five, Jon Snow returns from the dead Game of Thrones. Number four, the Winchester, Sam and Dean, constantly dying, constantly coming back on the TV show Supernatural. Jeff, great show. Watch it if you can. Number three, the Tanners return to TV. Fuller House uh, makes its debut on Netflix and brings back one of uh, TV's uh, most beloved families. Thank God, because I miss the Tanners. Uh, Number two, the Red Sox versus Yankees, 2004 ALCS. Phenomenal, phenomenal series, and an even better movie came out of it, Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon. Number one, the return of Y2J himself. Chris Jericho returns to the WWE after the buy of WCW to take on The Rock and the rest of the jabronis. <laughs> That's it, man. Good comeback. Good stuff. The, the, uh, a great list. The uh, Jericho introduction is great. Definitely one of the greatest uh, intros in wrestling with the Count family. Like I said, and then the uh, silhouette, if you will, of Jericho with the arms out and just, just awesome, man. It's great. And uh, that's what it's all about. We're talking the comebacks tonight. And uh, there was someone on the list that uh, Muhammad Ali, Cher, uh, uh, had some good comebacks. Tina Turner. Um, the Yankees were almost close to making my list. There's a lot more than I thought. There's a lot of good comebacks and people just, uh, yeah. you know, in a good second go around, and uh, yeah. we're doing here on the stoop. Great second go around. Just TV characters that have died and come back to life. Bobby Ewing, you know Dallas. I mean, yeah. there's so many phenomenal characters that died on television and have come back. That was hard to narrow it down too. You know, I was thinking, man, you know, who, who, you know, who could you really go with here that really, you know, hits? But for me, it was Jon Snow and the Winchester is constantly dropping dead and dying. So. Uh, also, listen, always good stuff with our top five list. We have so much fun putting them together here at the Stoop. So uh, if you have any list that you would like us to do, drop us a message by going to www.stoopradio.com and hitting the contact us. Fill out the form. Let us know what list you would like us to do here on one of our future episodes, and we'll do it. Because that's what we do best. We listen to our listeners. All right. Let's talk a little sports, man. Time for our points of discussion here tonight. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by actress Janet Varney from IFC Stand Against Evil and FFX's You Are the Worst. But let's get into the football season. All right, man, I'm going to go game for game here, man. Thursday night football, Chargers knocking off the Broncos 21-13. to Then on Sunday, man, we had some games on Sunday, man. The Bills knocking off the 49ers 45-16, to dude. What did you think of that game? I'm really liking what the Bills have done since changing, uh, getting new offensive coordinator. It's busted open for LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has uh, using his talents a little more, and the defense has gotten tough. And, you know, we're not going down that Colin Kaepernick way, but to watch him lose, that made me feel pretty good. 
But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this Bills team has, has found its way. A uh, big matchup coming up the, a couple weeks with New England. So, uh, see what they got. All right. Your uh, Eagles, man, dropping 27-20 to 20 to the Redskins. What's going on with Wentz, man? Quite simple. Uh, destroying Pittsburgh like they did was the worst thing that could happen. This team is just too overly confident. Uh, Wentz is good, but you still don't have the wide receivers. You don't have the guys with the sure hands that can make uh, big catches, and it's costing them. And the defense isn't as sturdy as we thought. So coming back there a little bit, kind of what we expected. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee Titans knocking off the Cleveland Browns 28-26. to The Browns still cannot just get it together. New York Giants 27-23 over the Baltimore Ravens. The Saints and the Panthers with the highest scoring game of the season thus far, 41-38, to man. Wow. Was that the most exciting game of the weekend, you think? It was pretty big. Uh, Saints jumped out of a huge lead. Carolina came roaring back. Saints take over again. Uh, Carolina's just so dismantled in the secondary. It, they've got nobody left. And you're going to throw a bunch of rookies in secondary up against Drew Brees. That's what you got to expect. So, game played out pretty much like I expect. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jaguars winning one, 17 to 16 over the Chicago Bears. The Detroit Lions knocking off the LA Rams, 31 to 28. The Dolphins knocking off the Steelers, 30 to 15. Are the Steelers done? Is it the end of Roethlisberger? Um, he is out with the injury. Yeah, he did have surgery. Without Ben in that lineup, it's a totally different team. Despite all the talent, they've got Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they've got good young receivers. Defense isn't what it once was, and uh, without the quarterback leading the way, they they just don't have it. Especially like I said, they got New England coming up on their schedule. It's looking bleak right now in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Patriots knocking off the Bengals 35-17. to Chiefs with a win over the, uh, the the Oakland Raiders, who have looked good so far this season, 26-10. to The Seahawks with a 26-24 to win over the Falcons. This should not have been a win for the Seahawks. What did you think about that no Colin Richard Sherman at the end there? I was absolutely disgusted by it. And it's like I said on social media, it's like the Seahawks have now gotten a reputation as a winning team. So they'll get those little calls and the little nitpicky stuff. But it wasn't even a nitpick call. It was plain as day. Sherman knew it. And he's on the sideline. He's got the angry snarl on his face like he's the beast. And meanwhile, he got away with a, a, a blatant penalty. Ridiculous. It's a game that, that should have gone on. Landis should have got that ball in midfield and should have gotten a, a fair shake at it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Packers dropping 130-16 to the Dallas Cowboys. Are the Cowboys the real deal? You being an Eagles fan, your rival is the Cowboys. You know you hate them. But is Dak and Ezekiel the real deal? They sure are. It's, it's nice how the media tries to make a story of by saying, that Tony Romo might get the job. Tony Romo is not getting this job. But that offensive line, nobody stopped Ezekiel Elliott. And Dallas couldn't end up winning 12 games this year and making a, a run for it. I hate to say it. It makes me sick. But you know, the proof's in the pudding. They are going out. And everybody said, oh, let's Green Bay get their hands on them in Lambeau. We'll see what they're all about. Well, we see what they're all about. They keep on winning. All right, man. Texans with a 26-23 uh, comeback win over the Indianapolis Colts. Is Brock Osweiler finally earning his money? Sure did last night. I was ripping on him the first three quarters. <laughs> and uh, I really was. I was blasting this guy. And he came out in a good fourth quarter. Uh, they did their thing in overtime and. the uh, that was a good game. I, I stayed up all night for it. It gets tough staying up late for these games. That was worth staying up every second for. Great finish, great game. Indianapolis, you got to feel 
Chuck Pagano, but that team just isn't there. They just don't have enough decent. But a good game last night, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And tonight, Monday Night Football, uh, it's going to be on right now as we're talking. Uh, my New York Jets taking on the Arizona Cardinals. What do you see in this game? Oh, I hate to do it to you, but I, I think the Cardinals uh, Cardinals come back tonight and, and get a win. Uh, Carson Palmer is back in action. Um, I just can't believe that they're as bad as the record shows. The Jets just seem to be in shambles. Fitzpatrick's just not getting the job done. They're calling for <laughs> Geno Smith. I don't know what that's going to prove. But uh, tonight, uh, I see Arizona. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I see Arizona as well. I'm not going to predict the score because I think it's going to – I think the Cardinals might light this one up a little bit. Uh, Jets' defense is in shambles. The offense is just pathetic. Even though they have the weapons to be good, Fitzpatrick is just not getting the job done. That holdout really showing that he should not have held out and he should have been at the beginning of camp because he has looked like pure crap. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and, uh, you know, uh, he, he's basically stealing money from the Jets right now, and it's, uh, you know, Jets stupidity for, for, you know, waiting on him. And, you know, listen, I know, I, know, I know there was no good quarterback out there for the Jets, and you really can't rely on Geno Smith, but I wouldn't mind seeing Geno Smith get a spot start. Um, for one, hey, maybe this old lit a fire under the ass of Geno Smith, and he might turn into a decent quarterback, not starting games like Mark Sanchez has. Number two, hey, Maybe it'll light a fire under Ryan Fitzpatrick's ass, and he'll start playing like he did last year again. You know, because listen, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick has the tools. He's a smart quarterback. He just can't get it together this year. Um, it's it's a damn shame, but I don't see the Jets win. Listen, if the Jets win tonight, will I be happy? Absolutely. Just don't see them winning it tonight, Jeff. Because they, they stink. Because they stink. All right, man. MLB playoffs, man. MLB playoffs, man, and we're at down to the last four teams. Cleveland Indians are leading the Toronto Blue Jays two to nothing in the ALCS, and over in the NLCS, Chicago Cubs and the Dodgers tied one game apiece. I call the Indians and Cubs in a World Series. It would be awesome to have some fresh blood in there. What do you think, man? I would like to see the Cubs. I'm not going that Philly route and getting all gushy about Carlos Ruiz and Chase Outley. That means nothing now. The Phillies days are over. They're Dodgers now. Uh, Dodgers and Phillies have more enough ugly history. I would love to see the Cubs get in it. They got good, fresh talent. They got some good players out there. And I guess let, let's let's save for Cleveland, man. Let's get their teams back on the map. Cavaliers uh, won the championship. Uh, the Indians are close to it. The Browns absolutely stink. So um, let's get the Indians in. I'd like to see the Cubs win it all. Uh, Cubs, Indians, I'd love to see the Cubs win it all. And the uh, have Theo Epstein prove that he is just the genius GM that uh, he was back in uh, Boston. Yeah, I would love to see that happen. I'd love to see the Cubs win it all. Hey, you know what? I'd even like to see the Cleveland Indians win it all. Get Wild Thing in there to pitch for him, man. It'd be great stuff. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm calling Indians and Cubs down to the in the World Series. So let's hope so. I was pulling for the Blue Jays. I like that that offense of theirs, but uh. I can live without them. Still got the haunting memories of 1993 and Joe Carter, and that'll last a lifetime. So. Yes, I agree. I agree there. <laughs> Good stuff back then. <laughs> oh man! All right, dude. Well, let's let's mention this, man, because listen, man, it, it's it's like tonight on Monday Night Raw, we have died and went back to 2000. Uh, Bill Goldberg is going to make an appearance on Raw tonight to supposedly accept Paul Heyman's challenge to fight Brock Lesnar. 
at a future pay-per-view. Let me ask you this, Jeff. You got a lot of great, young, talented guys busting their ass on a daily basis. Do you think it's right that the WWE continues to do this and throw money at guys like Bill Goldberg, who hasn't wrestled in many, many, many years, and take away some top spots from some of these guys? got to go with uh, this this type of thinking, and this is what I always go with when it comes to stuff like this. Um, would you go and pay $50, $60, $70 on a concert ticket to see uh, Bill Jones and the Neighborhood Kids, or would you pay $60, $70 a ticket to go see, let's say, ACDC? Um, people still like the classics. People like the legends. Goldberg may not have been as technical as some of these guys, but the name was out there, and name was big during its run. And the fans want to see the big stars. I mean, his name still holds clout uh, in the wrestling business, the way Hulk Hogan does if Hogan were to reappear, and The Rock when he makes his comebacks and his appearances. Um, so for me, it's nice to get those legends in there. And there's a lot of guys working hard, and, and that's the business nature of it, but you do need the guys who paved the way for them to get their due diligence. As long as Goldberg can get in the ring and make it a good show and let's bring them in there. Let's, let's say it and let's see what kind of revenue it generates. I think it's a win-win for, for them to bring them back in. So I've got no problem with it. All right. A lot of people do, though, unfortunately. A lot of people aren't looking forward to this match. But I don't know. I think the whole... It, it's all I, kind I, of changed. I mean, it's not... Not like you oh yeah, it's, it might. It's different. It's different. Well, you know what, and, and that goes to say that even like the you know the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, that's all different too. That's never like it was years ago. True. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. mean everything changes, but in that regards, you don't see the Atlanta Braves signing fifty-nine-year-old Julio Franco right now. <laughs> if Franco could pick up a bat, still somebody would take him. Off. This guy played about to his fifty. Listen, man, it would be cool to see that happen in professional sports like they do it in wrestling. Yeah. Just sign a guy for a cluster of games, let him disappear for a little bit, bring him back at the end of the season for another cluster of games. Because who wouldn't want to see certain people play the game still? You get the the announcers, um, (laughs) a guy like Joe Buck, here comes Steve Carlton, and Carlton comes out of the bullpen, he pitches in for the Phillies, hasn't pitched in 20 years, you know. Probably gets lit up. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, of course it's going to get lit up. I mean, it's a little more scripted than Major League Baseball. So when you're past your prime in baseball, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. But it would be funny as hell. And like you said, with That's the Jericho countdown, you know, music yeah. just starts out and a, and a reliever comes flying out of the bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Or you know what? Sign actors and actresses to play the game, too. Like, how cool would it be to see Charlie Sheen come out of the bullpen? For the Cleveland Indians, for an actual real inning of relief in baseball. <laughs> I like it. I mean, you know, you've seen him in Major League. He was throwing 100 miles an hour, so why not? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he can do that. I think he lived 100 miles per hour, and he's pretty much fucked now. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guy had a hell of a life. So what if he lives to be what 50, mid 50s? I mean, I guess so, <laughs> man. I, I guess so. I mean, if that's that's the kind of life you want to live. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, the money to You know what the hell? I do not, not sure know. Not sure change himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
right, man. I want to pose this question to you here, man. Hero deserves their own movie. And who would you cast to play that superhero? Just something I was thinking about, man. And I had my answer. Netflix is finally rolling with my answer. But I was thinking about some other roles. And I have one in my mind. So I wanted to ask you, who would you choose that would have their lone movie? I was looking, I actually had, um, I saw this question, I was combing through, and it, it's really, really tough, because so many of them have had movies, and I, I thought of this guy, and the rumor is he's got a movie coming out in 2019, that I'll have an actor for him now, and that is uh, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, and uh, yes. I was thinking of our own uh, former special guest from Future, Steve Howie, he said on the show he's not a superhero guy, but... I think Steve would be awesome. Big, strong guy. He's got a good comedy presence about him and also has a tough look. Um, and then I was joking around uh, myself here thinking of Space Ghost. Nice. Space Ghost. Yeah, Space Ghost live action movie. Maybe Steve Howie in that cool. role. You know, something like that would be, be cool. pretty cool. Um, and then again, I was thinking of our uh, good friend Ashley Morgan. And I'm thinking maybe Storm, an individual movie, just Storm. That's the great Ashley Morgan. Yeah, like a milestone movie. That'd be so cool, man, to go back and see what her yeah. whole bloodline is like. Yeah, I, I like Very that. Cool. Starting from young, yeah, pretty young, she would play the role pretty good. So, um, there, yeah, there is a rumor, man, that Captain Marvel might be John Cena. Wow, John Cena. I, I don't know. Yep. I don't know. I don't like it. I know. But... Is, uh, I know the Rock is supposed to play um, Black, Black Adam. Adam. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think I don't John Cena holds the main stage. He has the look, but he doesn't have the voice, and he doesn't have like the acting skill to play Captain Marvel. That's how I feel. I mean, I would agree with that absolutely. I mean, there's so many other guys like, you know, if they went that route, I think The Rock would have played a better Captain Marvel than John Cena would have. But I like The Rock as Black Adam. I think that's the perfect fit and the perfect role for The Rock is Black Adam. I think he fits the bill 110% of Black Adam. When I'm thinking about who could play Captain Marvel, man, that's that's tough. I don't know who I don't know who they could get. It is it's got to be somebody unknown, I think. It's got to be somebody unknown, but it's such a starring role that you know it's not going to be somebody unknown. It's going to be like Channing Tatum or somebody like that that Oof. has some kind of muscle, but that's going to be just awful. <laughs> I'm After a, watching Jupiter Ascending, it's going to be awful. I'm going to reach out to my man, Steve Harvey. No, Steve Howard. Oh, Steve Harvey. Steve, Steve Harvey. I want to see Steve Harvey <laughs> play Captain Marvel. That'd be awesome. Shazam. Hey, on the guy is Shazam. on everything else. Shazam. Captain Marvel is now the new host of Family Feud. <laughs> oh, man. Ah. Listen, I always want to, and I've been saying for years, man, how can Marvel drop the ball with doing a Heroes for Hire movie? Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Finally, Netflix is doing sole TV series of Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and then they're putting them together for a Defender series along with Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Absolutely love it. think it's a brilliant move. The Luke Cage Netflix series, if you haven't watched it yet, Jeff, you've got to watch it. They did a fantastic freaking job with it, man. I'm a huge Luke Cage guy. I'm a huge Iron Fist guy. I love Heroes for Hire, one of my favorite books. Man, I am so pumped after they released the Iron Fist trailer from New York City Comic Con. 
Man, was it good, dude. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'm just stoked. I'm hearing good things about it. I have not seen it yet. Um, I pulled me out of my next Netflix series. I don't know why. I hear they're all so good. And I, I always miss I got my nose glued to some kind of sports on TV. And, uh, yeah. Well, you can watch some other things. But listen, Daredevil was good. Jessica Jones, I didn't like too much. Luke Cage was absolutely freaking phenomenal. Um, Fuller House. Other things, one of the best series on anything television right now. Seriously, there is nothing better than Stranger Things. Watch it. You will be hooked. You will get psyched over it. It will be something that you will fly through the six or eight episodes that it is, and you're going to be just craving for season two. That's what I need. I need some, I need some TV in my life. I don't need another well, remake. Get on it, man. How many times I got to tell you to watch something, dude? Come on. <laughs> Uh, the last episode when you weren't here, I, I told the audience out there how I caught the uh, first episode of MacGyver, and that is just, it's just so bad. I don't understand the remake. <laughs> it's uh, awful, huh? It was, oh, my God. Uh, Lethal Weapon, MacGyver, it's so bad. I don't. I heard it was uh, it was terrible, MacGyver, but I didn't hear anything about Lethal Weapon yet. Did that even start? I don't think it started yet, but it just it looks really bad. <laughs> I mean, just, well, the Rush Hour series I, looked terrible, and that didn't last anything past a few episodes. Exactly, and like I, I give these shows chances, like Hawaii Five O, and uh, that's been awful. And as a matter of fact, the other night Five O had this episode. They tried to bring back the ghost of uh, McGarrett. There was this guy what? that kind of looked like him. Oh, it was real bad makeup and shadowing. I think it was supposed to be like the ghost of McGarrett, and it was just such. Poor television. It's such a bad show. Remakes just, they're so bad. It's got to leave the, the originals where they were. New ideas, That's man. Let's crank out new ideas. That's weird, man. That's very weird. And I'm watching it, and my fiance had never seen the, the original Hawaii 5 though. And she's like, This is a weird show. What is this? And like, believe it or not, this is actually supposed to be a character from the original series in the 70s, and I guess it's supposed to be like a ghost figure of, and it was terrible. Well, you would know, man. You were uh, watching it in the 70s. so. <laughs> That's true. I was watching it in the 70s. Yep. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's get to our guest because uh, on the line right now is our very special person tonight, and that's Janet Varney. Janet, how you doing? <laughs> I'm a very special person. Thank you. Yeah, you are. You are a very special favorite person tonight, so we're excited to have you. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us tonight. We uh, can't thank you enough, but uh, pretty much talk about Stand Against Evil tonight. That's what you're here to promote. Uh, you've done so many different things, but this is this new series that you're doing on IFC. It's premiering on November 2nd. Can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about the show and the role you play in it? Sure, sure. So Stand Against Evil, um, you know, Ben Gould, who created it, who was a fantastic, fantastic stand-up and also a writer on The Simpsons for many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, uh, I think he probably says it best, which is essentially Stand Against Evil is a sitcom trapped in a horror film. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's sort of, uh, you know, if Agent Scully had to work with Archie Bunker. Um <laughs> Got a, got a little of that going on. Uh, this, you know, I play I play a sheriff. Um, her name is Evie Barrett. She moves 
to this small town of Willard's Mill um, from, you know, big city Boston, and, and uh, she's recently divorced and has, you know, a daughter that she's trying to raise, and here she's got this new job, and I think she, her anticipation is like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to kind of quiet it down a little bit from the, from the buzz of the big city, and, uh, and she moves to a town and very quickly discovers that it is um, operating under a horrible curse, and that every sheriff before her has died in office, with the exception of this one who's just stepped down named Stan, and he's played by the fantastic John C. McGinley of Scrubs fame and many, many other uh, films oh, yeah. and television shows. And, uh, and so the two of them really have to work together to try to uh, keep each other and themselves from being murdered by demons and witches. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Stan is the kind of, the kind of guy who is, like almost more disturbed that a woman has taken his job than that there are demons. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's that that's sort of what my character is is dealing with is like really you this you have a problem with but you don't <laughs> bat an eyelash at that giant pink demon. So yeah. that's that's where you know a lot of the comedy comes in and all, the characters on the show are you know I'm certainly the the most serious. There's some some pretty wackadoo. Stuff that happens, but, you know, Dana uh, works so hard on the tone, and, you know, IFC is amazing because they really just bring people onto the network who they trust, and they're like, do your thing, you know. They didn't try mm-hmm. to make Portlandia something different. They don't try to make documentary now something different. They just, uh, they kind of embrace the vision. So that's, you know, we, as, as crazy as the stuff that happens in a sort of a Simpson-esque humor that you see on the show it's also like a bunch of people who are just playing everything like very earnestly. And a lot of the comedy comes out of that. Like, well, how would you yeah. react if, you know, your babysitter's decapitated head was talking to you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> minus the comedy part of this, um, this is something that is completely different from what you normally do being in the horror scene. So when this was, a, I, I guess when you were approached by them or you read the script, you, you know, how did you come away with knowing, like, wow, you know, this is a part that I really want? Well, I yeah, I was really excited about it um, from the beginning because Dana, uh, Dana, I know from the comedy world, and he actually came to me and said uh, that he was working on the show and that he, um, that he, frankly, he'd never imagined anyone else playing the part, which is super nice. And if he was saying that to 15 other women, I'm really still okay with it because it's super cool to be told that no matter what. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But he, you know, he he basically was, you know, he was like, look, I I I I know you're super funny and stuff, but like, what I, this is this, this is how I've converted it in my mind. I think what he said was, I see you as like an action star. I can see you doing that, and I know you haven't really done it. And what I think I converted that to in my mind was, Janet, I love you, but I'm secretly a little bit afraid of you. And then I really just like expounded on that fantasy in my mind and was like, I got to do this show. No, uh, mm. you know, he's, he's great. He's brilliant. He's funny. And, uh, and the fact that he saw the capacity in me to be this kind of badass um, was a tremendous compliment. Are you kidding me? I mean, there were moments when I was in Georgia wearing my high-waisted polyester sheriff's pants in the middle of summer at 115% humidity and 100-degree weather carrying a machete <laughs> wondering how many ticks I had on me where I definitely nice. thought, oh, action, this is different, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's still really cool. And 
the horror aspect of it and the fact that we had all these practical special effects, right, not CG, but, like, actual stuff you get to interact with in the room and a lot of special effects makeup and stuff like that totally taps into, like, the kid in me that I think a lot of, not just actors, but, like, people in show business experience, which is this, this true sense of, like, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. This is insane. I'm basically playing dress-up for a living. Boy, that is crazy. So now let me ask you this because, like you said, we know John McGinley from so many, so many different things. So what's it like starring alongside him? The best. He's amazing. He's uh, <laughs> he's he's great. He's he's uh, he really embodies the character. Um, he really cares about the writing. He really cares. There's like he just respects that process. He respects the crew. Um, He's real no-nonsense, but he's also super funny, and we had uh, many a laugh uh, while we were shooting. But, you know, he came on as a producer as well, and he has a ton of experience, um, not just in front of the camera, but also kind of behind it, and he champions a lot of, um, like, independent film and independent work and stuff. And so, I don't know, I just, he had really amazing feedback and, you know, stuff that I was doing that was kind of new to me, for example, doing some of these stunts. I mean, I had a stunt double, but... Because I'm an idiot, I was like, I want to do as much as I can myself. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, you know, there's <laughs> moments where I'm supposed to be, you know, doing something incredibly violent, and the, he can just sort of see the shadow cross my face. It's like, do I have what it takes to do this? He really, he really came in and just like made me feel super empowered, and you know, would give me just a couple of thoughts and just would you know would be like hey try it this way and 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 i think you'll feel great about it and i would do it and i would feel like a million bucks so he's just um he's just such a pro and uh and he's he's i'm i'm just like in awe of of him as an actor so when we got to play opposite each other and there were these moments on the show where you know for all of this crazy stuff that's going on and and a lot of the comedy that they, you know, is going to be like, it's impossible not to have it be hilarious because it's just, it's great and it's funny, but the humanity and the relationship that develops between John and me, um, sometimes Dana would come up to us and be like, God, it's like you guys are like real actors, man. This is, boy, I just wasn't, I guess I didn't realize I would might, like my heart would be touched by this. And we would like sort of look at him strangely and he would be like, I wrote for cartoons. They're not real people. Oh yeah. I guess that does make sense. You, uh, you weren't seeing like human flesh saying the words that came out of your brain. Oh boy. That's hilarious. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah. So, yeah. Talking about big difference, you're also on the FFX, uh, FXX show. You were the worst uh, as as Becca, who's known as Bitchy Becca. Um, I don't know if you know that, that's but right. that's what she's known as. Um, I get it. It's a huge compliment. <laughs> nice. There you go. So, so what's it like to play two totally different characters, and how do you prepare for the roles? Well, kind of back to what I was saying about the whole dress-up thing, right, um, which mm-hmm. is I, I'm sure there's a, a more kind of um, gender-neutral thing to say because I feel like that's something that, uh, we think of when we think of, like, a little girl trying on her mom's pumps. But uh, but it is this sort of make-believe pretending, and, and, you know, I got to do a fantastic uh, cartoon voice myself, which is kind of superhero character, and uh, and... Um, you know, doing that show it was like, oh, this is this is all stuff I'm voicing, but I'll never get to do any of this in real life. I don't have mm. magical powers, 
much as I might uh, try and want to sell my soul for them, that's not really an option. Uh, and so that that feeling of like, oh, this you know, this cool thing that you get to do that you don't that, that really is not a, a reflection of what your real life looks like. And then you sort of have these kind of in between these like, you know, morphed versions of yourself if you're playing something that feels very close to home. Like I, when I was playing this character of Carly on Burning Love, who's this girl who's like very uncomfortable being in this kind of bachelorette environment or bachelor environment and is actually gay and is sort of, you know, trying to just like figure out how she fits into this like crazy world. That was something I could relate to because while I'm not, uh, I'm not gay per se, I definitely, if I were shoved into that kind of world, I definitely would be like, huh, I feel, what, how do I, ew, no, I don't, don't give me that, <laughs> that rose, don't give me that hose. And so that's over to the home. And then you have, Something like Becca, which I like, there's like nothing about me that is like her, and it's so fun to play awful people. It's just so much fun. Um, it's delicious. That's like a gross theater kind of thing to say, but there's something like sumptuous about the awful crap that comes out of that woman's mouth. And she, you know, on a show where somehow Stephen Falk and the spectacular writing team on that show. Uh, have been able to create these characters that, you know, I think it's a tough balance to strike because on a lot of TV shows, like, we're all kind of into the anti-hero right now. It's not just Breaking Bad. It's, it's all the stuff that came after and stuff that came before, but it's this, it's this sort of celebration of, like, oh, I even want to watch this jerk live their life, and, like, I want things to, you know, I'm, I sort of am attached to this person even though they're doing horrible things. And I think mm-hmm. You're the Worst is an example of, like, you know, one of those shows where as, as absolutely preposterous and, like, as frustrating as most of the characters on the show are, you, you still care enough to root for them. And, and that's tough because I've watched shows where I'm like, oh, these people are so unlikable that I just don't even have an interest in watching them. I just yeah. don't care. I'm, they're annoying and I'm, I don't care. <laughs> and so that's so, – so on a show like that where you have all these characters who are sort of doing that, I feel like I get to be the character that like really has almost no redeeming qualities at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really fun to be like the king asshole of the assholes. That's cool. So like when you first started playing Becca and like you said, you're totally different than that character and you were just being a major bitch to everybody when they said cut, did you were like, I'm um, sorry I said that to you. Like, that's not me. <laughs> kind of. I mean, that kind of does happen a little bit. It's definitely you know, there's. I did this key and feel sketch uh, a couple years ago where Natasha Leggero and I were these, just like weird, like slutty white women who just go off on black guys and how, you know, like on on one hand they would say something that was like it's all racist, mind you, like from top to bottom it's all racist. But like there's yeah. like weird complimentary racist shit, and then like the next thing that comes <laughs> up, and then so you see, you know, Keegan and Jordan are like perking up, like yeah. hey, hey, and then they say something horrible, and then they're like, ew, no, hey, ew, no, and it just goes back and forth like that. And it's definitely that's another example of like in my life, I would, I don't think that way. I would never think that way. I would never say those things. But it is like there's some, you know, it's that feeling of like, oh my God, I, I would never say or think that stuff, but it's like incredibly fun to be asked to put that mask on and just be awful. It's, there's something really great about it, but for sure, 
there are moments where I'm like, whatever I'm doing is, is potentially so offensive that as soon as they call cut, I immediately like, I'm so sorry. Oh God, she's so horrible. Ah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. So let's uh, switch gears up here real quick. And I have to ask you this. Um, this is something that I wanted to, because when we, we put out on Twitter that you were going to be joining us, we had a lot of likes. We had a lot of retweets from a lot of anime and cartoon fans. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anime, yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah, that, and, that and, cartoon and, were telling you about, yeah. Yeah, and we know that you're the voice of Korra from The Legend of Korra. And then this weekend, it's, it's so prevalent in the news because at the New York City Comic Con, they announced that they're going to continue this series as a comic book. Being the voice for Korra and being so involved in, 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 in The Legend of Korra, does news like that excite you? Will you be a reader of the comic book? Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm. I was. Uh, I was. Made very clear. I'm not a superhero, so I can't do things like hold a phone because that's only what special people can do. Uh, <laughs> so that was very special. You know, I was at uh, Comic Con for Stan Against Evil, and um, and because I was going to be there, Dark Horse Comics reached out to me and said, you know, we would actually love you to be at this panel where we're going to make those announcements and stuff. And is that something you would be into doing? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, oh, awesome. I wouldn't want to do that. Before. So, yeah, so I got to, to be there when they, when they made the announcement uh, about kind of the future of the, the storytelling of that character. And we gave away a bunch of free books and stuff. And um, they, they're awesome. You know, that's that whole fan base kind of like you guys, you know, observed just in that short period of time when you were, tweeting about being on this show is just the best. It's an amazing, uh, call it fandom. Um, it's an amazing group of people, uh, millions of people, I guess, who are huge fans of the show, but are just, they're, just, they're just savvy and they have this tremendous respect for the process of making the cartoon and they're interested in the, com- you know, the composition of the music and they're interested in all of the animating and the martial arts of it all and, you know, mm-hmm, the conception mm-hmm. for certain ideas and they really pay attention to that stuff. And again, they're so respectful. They, they, I think there's a potential for there to be a sense of ownership. That's like, that's like too intense. I think with some fandoms where it's like you owe us this or this belongs to us. And I think that's an example of like, because Mike and Brian who created the show and because Dark Horse and Nickelodeon, engage the fans so much and have literally hired fans who do great art to work on their shows and comic books. There's this like mm-hmm. very symbiotic relationship that's going on. There's a tremendous respect there. And so while like being there at that panel and having dark horse say, we're doing this Cora coloring book and we're, we have a series of pictures, like scenes that we want to include, but we want to get you guys to weigh in on what we should have. And so we basically spent the whole panel like getting ideas for new comic books of like what stories did you guys feel weren't explored enough and you know what like what what image in the, in the coloring book would like be really fun for you to see and play with and color yourselves and all that and so they just like they they take that so seriously and and so just being a part of that and and seeing that interaction makes me feel so good it's it's very very cool like i hope yeah. that that's the future of entertainment yeah. So do you think with the book coming out now, do you think it'll pick up interest in the series again to the point that maybe just maybe Nickelodeon will end up bringing it back? Well, you know what? They, I think, happily would have kept it going forever, um, but that's not how Mike and Brian are. They pitched it as a four-season show from the beginning. 
They said yeah. we want to do earth, fire, air, and water, and that we, we know, you know, that we have kind of a beginning, middle, and end, and, and we know these story arcs that we want to pursue in each of these seasons. And so they that was always kind of like the, a lot of BBC shows, I think, are like that, or how they do it in the U.K., where they just kind of come and say, hey, here's the package. This is what we want to do, and then when we are finished, we're done. And yeah. sure enough, you know, they were really, like, getting into the winding down of it when we were finishing up the fourth season because that thing, you know, again, because of this, like, tremendous commitment and these tremendously high standards and their just devotion to the work, um, they are exhausted. It's like seven years of their life that just gets completely eaten up and consumed by um, by doing it. So I hope that they'll come back. I don't even care. I mean, I would be totally honored to continue in any capacity as Cora as a voice, but even just with a brand new series, anything that these guys do together, um, I'm on board for because I think they're brilliant. So I'm hoping that as they kind of take breaks and are teaching and working on books and just doing all these other projects, that they're sort of, you know, rejuvenated and they come back uh, strong to do whatever that next thing is going to be. Absolutely. That would be really cool. So besides voicing characters, besides doing two shows at once and doing videos and skits and whatnot, you're also a podcast host. So i got to ask you, because that's the only thing you and I really have in common is being podcast hosts. Uh, <laughs> we're both what, very special people. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. We're, we're very special. All three of us here are very special people because of the podcasting world, thank God. But right. what is the hardest thing that you have to deal with as a podcast host? Hmm. Well, the, the boring answer is scheduling, right, which I'm sure is true yes. for you guys, too. It's, it's just yes. – uh, it's tough because when you – for me, <clears throat> there's almost too much – there's almost too much – like, there's a lack of structure because, you know, it's a thing I do that I love. It's a thing I do that I don't get paid for. Um, and, uh, and because of that, I'm my own boss in that way, and I don't go into a studio to record. I have my own gear. I don't have a producer – Everything that happens for me happens in the room. And then, yes, I send off the file to Nerdist, and then they take it from there. So I have a producer in that way. But, like, I just don't have someone sitting there pressing record and, you know, because that's, again, one more person who's scheduled to have to coordinate or, you know, you know <laughs> booking a studio is one more thing you have to do. So I've just stripped yeah. it down to, like, the nuts and bolts. Like, hey, you, person, you want to do this with me? Where should I go? You want to come over? Great. Uh, and so that's awesome because some of it is like very last minute and it's like, Hey, I met you online that someone said we should podcast together and the next day we did it. And then some of it's like, like Kristen Dell and I have been talking about doing a podcast episode together. We finally did it, but we've been talking about it for like three years because we're never in town at the same time. We live close to each other, but we're never at our houses at the same time. And so the fact that like we finally found a window that, w- that worked was, you know, kind of a miracle. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of tough is, like, the, the, the sort of, like, postponing and, oh, shit, I have an episode, I have to get out, what am I going to do? Those kind of moments are, are definitely uh, kind of intense, but at the same time, for all those reasons I named, it's, it's great to have something that you just go, yeah, you know what, this is not anybody else deciding whether I get to do something or not, because that's very much show business, right, is, like, everyone is – it's like you don't have a boss, but also everyone is your boss all the time. And everyone is deciding for you whether you get to do this job or you don't or whether this series gets picked up or it doesn't or, you know. And so 
I think that's what appeals to so many people, you know, in comedy and otherwise about doing stuff like podcasts is, is this thing that just, you know, it, it gets to go out there and live and uh, nobody's going to go like, well, I'm sorry, we're just not going to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that something that you hope just like blows up to the point one day that you're in studio doing it or is this just something that you like doing it on the willy-nilly, doing it in your own room and, you know, just doing it yourself? Well, you know what? It's funny because there have been a couple of different, I mean, every year that I always end up with like two or so um, companies coming and saying, hey, you know, we would want to make this into like a TV show or let's blow this up, let's make a talk show, let's do this, let's do that. And I get I get kind of squirrely about it because I think the fact that it's a podcast, right, the fact that it's our, just our voices and it's very intimate in that way, the fact that people don't have to put on makeup and, you know, wear something super nice and worry about that, that part of it, um, worried about what their, you know, squinched up crying face looks like or what have you, uh, not having <laughs> those things play a part is, like, part of why I feel like my podcast where I, I spend a lot of time talking to people about their kind of awkward teenage years and stuff. And, you know, that's like there's vulnerable stuff in there. And, uh, and that's what I love about it. But that's also not necessarily stuff that's going to come forward if you're like you have a microphone pinned to your chest and you're, you know, you've got your legs crossed on a couch and there's like a studio audience, you know? So yeah. Yeah. That's, I, so I, guess, I guess that's the real answer is that I've had the opportunity to make it something different. And I'm, I, to this point, I just haven't felt like anything has given the same feeling of, you know, people writing in, and I'm sure you get this too, but, like, people writing in and saying, you know, my coworkers were all looking at me like I was crazy because I was laughing so hard at work and no one knew what I was laughing at. And that beca- that feels, I think, for the listener, like they're in on something special. And it's very yes. different than, like, watching a YouTube video, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we've we've gotten approached a couple of times for, you know, a couple of different companies that wanted us to jump on board with them. And it just, you know, didn't feel right. You know, so we totally get yeah. that. Um, and isn't that cool? Well, that hardly, you, get but... to, you get to really, yeah, you get to control that and you get to go, you know what, I'm good with this the way it is. So I really oh, yeah. have to know that this feels like, you know, you get yeah. me 100% because you guys can protect what you love about what you do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We're one of the fastest growing shows here on Blog Talk Radio. I mean, you know, we, right. we're over a million listens. It's great stuff, but yeah, I, I would like to bring it into a studio. You know, that's that's one thing, but the right stuff just hasn't come along. So we totally, totally, totally get what you're saying. Um, I just want to ask you two more questions, and we'll let you go for the night. Um, we're finding a lot more quality shows and a lot of quality actors coming from cable networks like FX, like IFC, and of course now with Netflix and Amazon, everybody streaming. Is this the new age of television? Have networks kind of lost their touch? I mean, I, listen, you, like you said, you're talking to someone who has had these extraordinarily fun like projects I'm super proud of that are on smaller networks. And so in my opinion, yes. I mean, I think certainly there's still great stuff that comes through uh, the big, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, those kinds of networks, they're not doing, I don't think they're doing, like, all, but just all crap or anything like that. Uh, but I do feel like more and more, um, especially people who are really into, you know, the sort of, like, even just like the Comic-Con world, right? It's like, look at that, like, that network of people, they're more, they're more connected to, you know, Marvel and Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers and, and you know, DC yes. and all of these kind of legacies that have been around forever and, and, you know, something like The Walking Dead, 
um, or Firefly, which was on Fox, I'll grant you, but, like, look, you know, it fell off of Fox, and now it's, like, lives forever with the fans. And I think if that show had come out on, say, FX, right, like 10 years after it came out, it would have had, like, seven seasons because they could do it affordably. The pressure is lower than there is for, like, uh, an NBC show where they spend a billion dollars on billboards and it doesn't do well and they yank it after two episodes because they can't afford it or whatever. You know, these this, this new sort of way of doing television with Netflix and Amazon and, you know, streaming and having apps instead of cable and just all those ways where if, if a show's good, it kind of doesn't matter as much where it lives anymore because people will find it. I think that is the way things are headed. I think that mm-hmm. that identity of... That identity of like, oh, you know, the the good shows are on X, Y, and Z. That is up to the network to continue to like find and attract stuff that works with their sensibility. But as far as like, yeah, like, oh, if it's on ABC, that makes that makes it like a hit. It's that's not really. I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah, no, I get that. And it gives more people, like, gives people more chances to do stuff that's like more off the wall. And I think that's really exciting. And it gives and it gives them more opportunities to bring stuff back from the dead, which I really love. Yeah, that they're starting to re, you know rejuvenate some of these old shows like you know Full House coming back onto Netflix and you know some other shows that we can you know say, but uh, it's good stuff. So, given your wide range of acting, uh, tell us what your dream role would be and who would be your dream co-star. Oh my God, um, boy, that is tough. Oh. Uh, I would have said being an action star uh, like a year ago, and now that has come true. So I hope I get to do that again. I hope we get another season of Stan for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as something beyond that, I mean, I don't know. I was someone was like, oh, you the next step would be to sort of get to do like a Captain Marvel kind of like a you know as 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 yet unseen superhero that that lives on the comic page that people love and wants to life cool. or whatever. That's a little yeah. intimidating to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be it would it would be uh, super cool to um, again like I love playing jerks. Like if there was a character who was like Doctor House for a woman, yeah. I would be probably real into that. Um, even though I would say that, and then I would end up like spouting off all this medical mumbo jumbo that would be impossible to memorize, and I'd be like, Why did I want this? Um, but uh, and then as far as uh, co-stars go. Eh, you know, I mean, my easy answer is, like, I just think Emma Thompson is the shit. I think she's fantastic. She had her start in, in sketch comedy, and she, you know, mm-hmm. wrote an Oscar-winning adaptation of a of a British movie and then turns around and does just, like, some weird wackadoo movie. And uh, So she's awesome. So I have this, this dream of having some weird reason where I get to be in a movie with her so we can become buds. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah, she is the shit. So, Janet... Seriously, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for you, uh, you know, joining us and sitting on our stoop with us tonight. So uh, hopefully we can get you back in uh, again in the future, and by that point we'll be into deep into season two of Stand Against Evil. I love what I'm hearing. The only request I have is I need a little elementary school type of certificate that says I'm a very special person. You okay. are a special person. I'm going like to make an honorable one. mention. It's like an honorable mention trophy, and I want it. I'm going to I'm going to make it and I'm going to send it to your okay. PR person and they're going to send it to you. So, watch, it's it's going to happen. It's going to make me very happy. It's going to make me very happy, you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, you are thank very special. Thank you so much person. for having me. Absolutely. Thank no, you. thank you for joining us. We'll be back on again in the near future. I love it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Janet. You have a great okay. night. You too. Bye.
Bye bye. And that was uh, Janet Varney, man. What a great, great guest, my friend. She's fantastic. What a, a great interview. She's fun, very real, and that's what we like. Um, but it's kind of like sitting when you're stupid, just talking it out, and she's telling real life things, and she's got a real uh, love of what she does, and we had a great time with it. And she is a very special person, a very special person to us here at the special person. Now we got to get her a certificate. Um, one with the with caricatures of me and you, our big goofy faces, and it says you're a very special person. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if we want to put our characters on something that we're going to send to somebody that's very special. How about um, how about instead of special, how about we send the certificate that says you are stupendous. stupendous. How about we go to Hershey Park and we go sit down <laughs> in one of those little booths and we have somebody actually draw real characters of us, and then we do it. How about that? I like it. That sounds good. Listen, um, it's sixty five per person to get into Hershey Park. That's not happening. I know exactly. <laughs> um, real quickly, something that brought to my attention. I gotta, I gotta bring this up uh, in case uh, any of our listeners know anybody out there. Uh, hate to bring bad news, but there was a uh, active shooter gunman on the loose at the University of Cincinnati. Um, oh Jesus! Shots fired at the University of German fleeing the state. Hedging towards Marsh Shot Stadium. Um, my fiance, her uh, cousin, is out in that area as a student. So if you know anybody that's out there, just contact them. Make sure they're okay. More tragic news stuff. I hate to bring it to you and break up a great night we had here with Janet, but uh, you know, I like to make people aware of things that are going on. Well, hopefully uh, nobody got shot, and hopefully it's just some crazy guy firing up in the air or something. So our uh, our best to everybody over there at the University of Cincinnati, and hope everything's okay with them this monday evening all right so um that's it for tonight's episode we're going to be back this thursday with actor john ross Bowie from speechless yes and you also know him as kripke from big bang theory he's going to be here to talk speechless with us we're going to talk big bang theory and we're going to talk just about his acting crazy he's a phenomenal actor and if you haven't watched speechless yet watch it phenomenal 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 show absolutely love it it's a brilliantly written show check it out it's really good um, first, I want to thank really Janet great. Varney for joining us tonight. She was, once again, a very, very, very special person. Uh, we had a lot of laughs with her and a lot, of, and just a real good time with her. And uh, for my buddy Jeff, Jeff, I want to say thank you for holding down the fort while I was gone, man. It's been a pleasure. Can't quite fill the shoes the same, but uh, <laughs> that's fun. Well, man. they are size great. 17, man, so if, unless you're getting some... Uh, some uh, things connected to your feet, man, to make it a size 17. Yeah, you're not filling them, dude. <laughs> I'm about, yeah, I'm about seven sizes too short. I'm only about a 10. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's great. Oh, uh, it was, baby feet. It. it was a little uh, little, little nerve-wracking being the head guy, but um, anything to keep the show afloat, man. And um, just happy to be here. I'm glad to have you back with us. It's, it's real important. You're a, you're like a, a core, man. You're, you're what the people look for on Monday nights now. We have become part of their routine. Our regular listeners, we, are, we thank you and looking looking like, forward to Thursday. It's a great show. I like that. Maybe we should rename the stoop to the core. I like that. We are the core. The core. Brilliant. Stuff, <laughs> All right. So once again for Janet things. Varney, we have to send out another big thank you to her and uh, for my buddy Jeff Perini here. I am Jonathan Raggis, and we'll see you all Thursday night with actor John Ross Bowie. Have a good night. Good night, everyone, and uh, thanks for listening.